Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. Well, I'm always excited to start a new series with you. We're starting a brand new series. Are you excited about that? Come on, are you excited? All right. It's an amazing series because it's going to talk about some of the things we've been dealing with since Vision Sunday. And so, you know, we really want to impart what God has for us in 2020. I'll remind you again that this year our theme is the year of God's promise. And I believe that God has a promise for every single one of us. None of us are out of his hands. None of us are are cast aside by the wayside. God has a plan for every single one of your lives. And that's amazing, isn't it? That he has so much compassion, so much love that he doesn't give you a cookie cutter plan. You know, I was watching some politics in the U.S. the other day and they talk about this plan and that plan and this plan's best for everyone. But I'm glad that God is not one that has a massive plan for every single person that's just the same. He, he caters to us individually. We all have an individual plan that he takes time out to plan for every single one of us. That's amazing. Amen. And so we need to appreciate that God is faithful through the seasons of our life. And so we're launching this new series called I'm In. Turn to someone and say, I'm in. Ask them, are you in? Are you in? Are we in for the vision this morning? Are we in for what God is doing in your life? Are you in for what God's purpose is? Are you sure? Some of you saying, yeah. All right, I want you to look up on the screen. There's a list over there. You see it? All right, so what's the first one say? I'm invited, right? I'm invited into God's family. Someone say, I'm invaluable. I'm invaluable because I'm God's work. God's at work in me. All of you have a gift. All of you have an important talent. All of you have a special blessing from God. Everyone matters. Right? Everyone matters to God. You're part of the amazing family of God. And that's a privilege we should be excited about. You don't just come here and sit down on your hands. You come here because you're excited that you're part of God's family. Amen? Amen? You're invaluable. You're an invaluable work of God. Someone says, I'm influential. The good news is that every single one of us here, you have influence. You have influence in your spouse's life, you have influence in your work, you have influence in your children's life, and most of all, you have influence because God created you in His image, and you are called to be light and salt on this earth, and God says, you are the light of the world, you are influencers, and you're called to influence others for God's glory. And finally, the last one is, I'm invested. Someone say, I'm invested. Are you invested in God's plan for your life? Are you really invested to what God has for you? Forget about the person sitting next to you right now. Forget about even the church around you. Are you invested in what God is doing in your life? Ask yourself a question. And so these are some big themes that we're going to deal with over the next few weeks. And so we're going to start off with The number one. Let's repeat after me. Number one, I'm 
Number two, I'm. Number three, I'm. Number four, I'm. Invested. Amen. And so that's why we're called, the series is called, I'm In. Right? The first two letters. Are we in? Are you in in your life? You sure? Knock your neighbor and say, are you in? You sure about that? (laughs) All right. All right, let's get started. I have some things I want to share with you this morning. And it's really the core message of the gospel. That you are invited to be part of God's family. And there's there's nothing more intrinsic to the message of Christ than for you to know that you are invited into the family of God. That was the message. That's why Christ came to go and tell everyone that you are invited into his family. That you're not just an accident. You're not just a coincidence. That things are not out of control. But God made special plans to invite you into his family. I don't know about you, but you know, if you're scrolling through Facebook or Instagram and you see some of your friends at a party or a gathering and you're like, Hold on, what happened? Where's the invite? Mad invite? I didn't get an invite. How do you feel when you see all your friends hanging out somewhere and no one invited you? Do you feel like, exactly, reject? Do you feel bad? Do you feel, you know, I wish they would invite me. I wish, what happened to me? Am I not, you know, important enough to get an invite? What's going on? You have that sinking feeling like, did I do something wrong? Or what's going on? Let me tell you about an experience I had Early in my church life, you know, as you know, I've been in church since I was like 23. I'm about 24 now. (laughs) It's been 20 years. (laughs) So, you know, I don't know how that math works, but hey, let's go with it. All right. (laughs) And so, you know, early in our church life, we used to attend church and we used to dress differently from the way I'm dressed right now. We wouldn't be caught dead in the way that we're dressed. You know, you'd have to have a suit on. You have to have a tie on. Your shoes had to be polished and Things had to be looking prim and proper and everything had to look that way. Because, you know, you, we were taught from these people in church, you have to look your best when you come to God. And I firmly believe that you have to look your best, right? There's nothing wrong with the way you're dressed, but you need to be dressed appropriately in certain attire. Like, okay, so wear your tie, wear your suit. That's what they told us. And so we'd show up to church with our suits and our three-piece suits and we'd worship God and we'd have an awesome time. One day, this guy showed up to church, and you know he was wearing running shoes like I'm wearing today, and he's wearing jeans, and he was wearing a shirt, and he showed up to church. And then we have some ladies in the church, or had some ladies in the church, I still think they're there, and they still have the same thoughts, that were self-imposed caretakers of the church you know no one gave them that responsibility they decided that they would be the caretakers of the church and it was their responsibility to make sure that everyone did and looked and behaved the way they thought they should behave so after church one of these ladies approached this young man and said you know those clothes are inappropriate for you to wear to church you can't wear that why don't you dress properly because you're coming to the house of god now I can imagine that this man got up that Monday, that Sunday morning and maybe he hadn't been to church for a long time. Maybe he'd never been to church. And he decided somewhere in his heart that he 
needed something and he wanted to know God and he wanted to know this thing about church and he went into his closet and he opened it up and he got out the best clothes that he possibly had. He had jeans, maybe he never had a suit, he had some jeans on, he got a shirt together, he put on his best running shoes and he said, I'm going to church this morning because there's something going on in my life and I want God. And so when he got there, they told him, you can't come because of the way you look. And needless to say, we never saw him again. Never saw that person again. How do you feel when you go somewhere and you're not wanted? How do you feel when you get to a place and you're not appreciated? Maybe there's times in your life where you might have felt in your friend circle, at your workplace, in your environment that you're not wanted or appreciated or loved. or Not because of the way you dress, but maybe for a myriad of other things that go on. If you've ever felt ashamed, unworthy, unwanted, uninvited, I want you to hear one of the greatest truths of the, about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that is this. Jesus invites the people others reject. Jesus invites the people that others reject. We're not there yet. Scripture's not up yet. Jesus invites those that religion despises, that others overlook, that those who feel they're not good enough. He goes out of his way to invite them. And you're invited into his marvelous family. He goes to the ones that society despises. He goes to the ones that people reject. He goes to the, to the ones that are classified as sinners and tax collectors and those that the religious elite don't want around. And he opens up his arms and says, you're invited. What we're going to do today is we're going to dive deep into the gospel that talks about an instance that this happened. And I want you to see with new eyes and fresh eyes what it's like to come from the outside and experience the compassionate and love of a Savior. We get to Luke chapter 7. I want to give you the context before we even look at the scriptures. For you to understand what's going on. It was about 2,000 years ago and Jesus was walking on the face of the earth. Jesus who claimed to be God in flesh. Some people doubted him. Some people thought this guy must be crazy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. We don't understand who he is. How can God come down and be flesh? People disputed the fact that he was going to be whether he was God or not. Certainly though that everyone who thought or believed that he was in fact God, if Jesus was God in the flesh, then certainly he would be in favor or hang out with the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees were the religious elite. They were the ones who walked around and, and told everyone that they represented God. It was their job to take care of God's house. And so they determined, like the people I was telling you about, they self-imposed, that we're going to tell everyone how to talk, how to behave, how to look, and how to act. 
And so if Jesus was God, then this would be the natural inclination. He would want to hang out with those that are like him, right? He would hang out with the Pharisees because they represented God. Because the Pharisees were the most outwardly pious, outwardly the most religious elite. They wore flowing robes. They prayed long, eloquent prayers. They prayed in front of people. They wore elaborate dress with tassels and, you know, adorned with some gold and all these elaborate things. They had these elaborate cleansing ceremonies to cleanse themselves from, you know, the unworthiness of everyone else around them. So they would be pure while everyone else would be impure. They were impressive spiritually because they walked around because they knew God And they would never, ever hang around with anyone who was considered unclean. Because that was just unheard of. How am I, who represents God, going to hang out with that person who is unclean and filthy? It wouldn't even be caught dead in the same environment. I wouldn't even be in the same room. And they would certainly distance themselves from anyone they classified as sinners. And surely, if Jesus was God, he would be for the Pharisees. He would be right there with them. Well, one day, Luke tells us, a Pharisee named Simon decided to throw a party. A party that a Pharisee would throw is a very, is a very different party to what we would think of as a party. For example, there was no barbecue with some lovely sausage sizzle, you know. There wouldn't be a radio on with the latest Jewish rap songs, you know. There wouldn't be any of those things. It would be quite different. What they would do is they would gather and kind of, they would gather the the religious elites. If you were a Pharisee, you wanted to be a Pharisee of the Pharisees. Remember what Paul said, I'm a Pharisee of the Pharisee? The upper echelon of the elite. Not just the riffraff Pharisees, but the very top Pharisees. If you wanted a party, you had to invite these very upper class Pharisees. And so that's what they had. They had this party. Simon had this party. He would bring you know, all these weighty people who had knowledge, who were professed to be the greatest of all in intellect and all these important and impressive things with, with titles like MSD and QSB and all those other things added behind their name they would be the ones that would be invited. And then more importantly, they would gather in the house, an impressive house to show off their wealth, and they would have a meal. And the meal would take place in what was called the outer court. And if you don't understand what houses were like back then, they would have a house and there would be a porch around the house and they would have the doors open and they would gather around the porch and you know, towards the inside they would sit around And have discussions around the edge of the house. And so they would meet and they would dine and they talk about important things. You know, they talk about, you know, the the, uh, politics of the day, the trends of the day. They talk about cultural trends and politics and theology and all this important stuff. And and then the riffraff, the sinners, the ones in the street, you know, they weren't allowed to come in. But they could gather around and they could listen in to this conversation. Because you see, there was no internet, there was no Wi-Fi, there was no Netflix, you know, there's no video games, there's no Fortnite for you to play, there was no, these are the housewives of Jerusalem on TV for you to binge, 
none of that was around. And so their form of entertainment was, okay, let's gather around these people, the celebrities of the day, and listen to their conversation and like try to understand the great imaginings and the conversation that they would have. You know, this was first century entertainment. And what happened is that Jesus got invited to this party and, and then suddenly things went haywire because someone else arrived that was not invited. They just showed up. And when this person walked into the party, it was the most shocking thing these Pharisees, these pious Pharisees, these religious elite, these upper echelons of society had ever experienced in their life. I don't think they had words. Their mouth probably dropped on the floor. And they hated every moment of it. Look at me in scripture. It says this in verse 36 of Luke 7. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life, everyone say sinful life, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. Now let me just pause for a moment and give you some revelation to the text and the language of the scriptures. When it says there that this woman led a sinful life, that's code language for the town prostitute. That's what that means. She led a sinner's life. She was a prostitute. That's essentially what that means. A woman in town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. So imagine this, if you will. I want you to roll back in time if you can, to all these people sitting out on this porch having this, you know, in their prim and proper robes. And you've seen it on TV. You've binge-watched, you know, the Housewives or whatever, Hollywood. They're sitting there with their, you know, highfalutin talk and their servants coming along and serving them and their beautiful robes and outfits and talking eloquently and talking about, you know, you know, the pneumonology and the pneumatology and oncology and whatever they were talking about and the politics of the day. And suddenly, as they're having this amazing conversation that was just, you know, up echelon conversation, here walks this woman out from the street into their house and they're just shocked. They don't even know what to say. Everyone gasps. And they're beside themselves. This just isn't right. How dare they subvert their class and walk off the street and come into our house that's holy? How dare they come off, not just any person but you, not even a peasant, but a sinner, a prostitute. Walk off the street and come into our house. We don't hang around with those people. She's not worthy. She's not invited. I want you to pause again and think about and try to get into the mind of this young woman. This young woman who is hurting, who is going through pain. Imagine what would it have been like for her to walk off the street knowing the cultural trends, knowing her status, knowing what she was called and referred to. And come to this place. I'm going to be a bit creative 
I'm thinking about the situation. I can't prove any of this. It doesn't, the scripture doesn't actually reveal her backstory. But I believe this with all of my heart. I believe that although she made some wrong decisions, maybe she had different circumstances, unquestionably she made some decisions that might not have been best for her life. I can guarantee you that she never grew up desiring to be a prostitute. I can guarantee that. That as a little 11-year-old, when she had sleepover with her 11-year-old friends, and they gathered together, and they had, let's have truth or there, and they go, okay, what do you want to be a grow- when you grow up? And someone's like, well, I want to get into real estate. What about you? Well, I want to be a YouTube star. What about you? Well, I want to be a doctor. What about you? Well, I want to be a prostitute. Do you think that would have been the conversation? Do you think she dreamed of being a prostitute? Do you think that was a desire in life? Absolutely not. No 11-year-old, no child desires to be this. But unfortunately, she ended up in this situation. What happened to a little girl growing up in that time that she ended up in this situation? Maybe... She had an abusive childhood. Maybe she was at home and things didn't go the way that she thought it would and she ran away. Maybe she had difficult circumstances and in those times it was hard to live and she got lent out sometimes. That happens. Maybe her parents died and she didn't have another option in life and she was starving and she had to resort to what she can to feed herself. We don't know for sure, but I can guarantee you that was not her first choice in life. That was not what she chose for her life. She would have been despised. She would not have been welcome in any part of society. She wouldn't have been allowed to go to synagogue or go to church. And what I do know is that everywhere she went, men used her and abused her. And women would have glared at her, hatefully scorning her, and stepped the other way. And even the religious elite, when they saw her coming, they would cross the street to avoid going in close contact. They would pass her on the other side of the street because they didn't want anything to do with her. She would have felt ashamed and she would have never, ever been invited anywhere that was a safe space. Anywhere that mattered. Anywhere that was important. What I know she might have felt is sometimes like a lot of us, we feel guilty where we end up. Sometimes we don't know where we end up. We end up in places that we didn't design ourselves to end up. And you're wondering, how did I end up here? What happened in my life? Abused maybe? Divorced? Estranged from family? Separated from loved ones. How did I end up here? Sometimes the choices in our life are not made intentionally. But we end up in circumstances we didn't design ourselves to. Not by choice but by just circumstance. How do we end up today where we are? I want you to think with me. Put your mind again in this young woman's head. She felt uninvited. But what did she do? Well, she did something extremely shocking. 
This woman walks into the Pharisee's party, dashes straight over to Jesus, falls at her knees in a posture of worship. She breaks open a jar of perfume and pours it on Jesus' feet. Why was this so significant? Why do the Gospels mention it? Why is it recorded? Why, out of all the things that happen in Scripture, there's certain events. In fact, John tells us that if all the works that Jesus did were documented, there wouldn't be enough books in all the world to hold it. But we have this event that's documented in the Gospels. Why was it so significant? I can tell you how greatly significant it was because of this. For one... Because this was her most valuable possession. Meaning we learn from scripture that this perfume was actually very rare. Almost no one could afford it. The value of it would have been a year's worth of salary. A year's worth of salary. That was her nest egg. That was her future. That was her savings. To get out of this life of decrepancy. That was her escape plan. And she brings it to Christ. Not only was it the most valuable, but in many ways it was a symbol of her future. Because perfume was kind of a business card back in the days. You know, it was an advertisement that when you put it on, because normal women couldn't afford it, when you put a dash of it on, men would walk by and say, oh, she's available, I'm able to use her. It was her business card. And what does she do with that? In one glorious act, she simultaneously, extravagantly worshipped Jesus and she symbolically represented and repented from her old lifestyle. Saying, I'll give you my most valuable possession, which represents my future. It's the best thing that I have in this moment and I'm offering it to you, Christ. I'm giving it to you. I want you to understand that she was not just investing her entire future in that moment with Christ. She also worshipped him. And in that moment, she was acknowledging the mistakes by crying in repentance. In one moment, she was buying her future or giving her future away and also repenting from the choices she made. Verse 38 documents this and she said, She stood behind Jesus at his feet, weeping. She could not stop crying. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. She couldn't stop her emotions. She couldn't stop the overwhelming flood of emotions that were flowing through her. And I want you to think again. I want you to go back and I want you to really think, not just with 20th century eyes but with the eyes of a young woman that was living a lifestyle that was considered to be sinful and was not around anyone else because they considered her unclean and a sinner in the day in that day it would be completely inappropriate it would be considered completely inappropriate and bad behavior because a Jewish woman would never uncover her hair. It was wrapped and it was tied. It was bound in public. She's overcome with emotion 
just worshipping Jesus. And she doesn't have a towel. She didn't bring anything with her. And she realized, oh my gosh, I've just cried over this guy's feet. And so she unbinds her hair, her, her cloth, and she begins to wipe the feet of Jesus. Because she's been crying all over his feet and it's just wet. And she takes her hair, which scripture says is the glory of a woman, and wipes his feet. Her adoration for Christ is unabounded. And she worships the Son of God. While this was going on, Guess what the religious elite did? Guess what the people around her did? Do you think they had compassion on her? Do you think they felt sorry for her? Verse 39 says, The Pharisees were beside themselves. When the Pharisee whom invited Jesus, that was Simon, that's Simon. When Simon saw the, this, the Simon the Pharisee saw this, I want you to watch this. He said to himself, notice he didn't say it aloud. He said it to himself, but he thought to himself in his mind, he said, if this man was from God, if this man was God, if he was really a prophet, he would have known what type of woman was touching him. Where is their heart? Is it a heart of compassion? Or is it filled with self-righteousness? What Simon's heart? What do you think? He said... We're not sure if he's God because he had no idea that this sinful person was touching him and crying all her sinful tears on his feet and wiping his feet with her sinful hair. She's a sinner. Then Jesus goes, Oh, yeah, I just read your mind. You know, that's what he does. He reads Simon's mind. He doesn't, because Simon doesn't say it aloud. And Jesus speaks to him and says this. Look at verse 44. Then he turned to the woman and said, Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water to wash my feet, which was traditional. They had water pots. Remember, Jesus changed the water into wine. There were ceremonial pots outside each house. And the guest was obligated to send his servants to wash the feet of his guests that he honored. And I guarantee you, Simon would have sent his servants to wash the religious elite. But when Jesus came along, they weren't sure who he was. They brought him along to check him out. See if he can spar with us mentally. Talk about the, the important things of the day. Whether he has enough intellect and knowledge to talk about the things that we talk about. They didn't extend the courtesy to Christ to wash his feet. And says... You did not give me water to wash my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. That was a greeting of the day. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head. And there was another thing. They would put oil on the person's head. It was sweet oil that had a perfume to it. So wherever they went, the sweet aroma would fill the house. And it was an honored thing they did to their guests. But he said, you didn't anoint my head with oil. In other words, you didn't welcome me into your house. You invited me, but you did not welcome me. Therefore, I tell you, 
Her many sins have been forgiven. As a great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus looks at this hurting woman and goes, Your sins are forgiven. You are whole. You are new. You are white as snow. You are washed clean. You are no longer what people see you as. Here's a question I want you to think about. Why did this woman risk so much to be at the feet of Jesus? Think about this. Why? Why did she risk everything? They could have thrown her in prison. They could have executed her. Why did she risk so much? Why did she apparently rush across town when she heard Jesus was at this party? And she walked past these men who might have propositioned her, might have hated her, might have despised her and mocked her. Women who would have scorned her and despised her. Why did she walk past this, this thing of hate? Remember, don't hate, appreciate. Why did she walk past the sea of hate into a... It's like from jumping from the frying pan into the fire because she went into the lion's den. She went into the religious elite's house. She wasn't even supposed to be around them. Why would she have gone to the porch where all these common people whispered as she walked past? They told their kids, look at her. Don't ever be like her. Don't talk to her. Don't even touch her. Just move away from her. Why would she have gone into a house of a Pharisee who didn't want her there, who just walked out of the way when he saw her coming? Why would she have ignored every other person in the room and gone straight to the feet of Jesus. Did you ever think about that? You know, I can't completely answer that question because the text doesn't reveal to us exactly what went on in her head. But I can tell you this, what I absolutely completely believe. What I believe is she must have somehow, somewhere experienced the unconditional love of Christ. His indescribable grace. Or maybe she heard about it. She certainly must have seen a miracle or heard about him. And sensed his divine nature. In fact, let me tell you what I think happened. I think because Jesus was in her town. I think she probably heard him preach. My guess is that probably one day because of the urgency of her nature. To break into the party where Jesus was, it was that day that she actually heard the message that Jesus preached. Well, Luke doesn't tell us directly, but earlier in the very same chapter, Luke does tell us that on that day, the disciples of John the Baptist came to question Jesus. Matthew, which is a parallel gospel, tells us the same version of the story. And talks about the day when John the Baptist's disciples came to question Jesus. On that very day, earlier that day, which would have been the day of the party of the Pharisees. And Jesus gave a message. He talked about something. Do you know what he talked about? I'll summarize for you and then I'll share it. This is what he said. The summary of the message that Jesus gave that day, that perhaps this woman at the back of the crowd, maybe further away than where she was allowed to sit and listen and heard what Jesus said because she was too ashamed to be close to anyone else. She heard 
what Jesus was talking about. And this is what Jesus said that day. You're invited to be part of God's family. You're invited. You are welcome. You can come just as you are. That's the summary of what he said. This woman would have heard. She would have been in the crowd that day. And she broke into the house of the Pharisees. Because that is the exact message she heard the Son of God proclaim. This is what Jesus actually said on that day. He said this. Come to me, you're invited. Everyone's invited. Who's welcome? Jesus said this. Come to me, all who are weary and are burdened. And I will give you rest. Can you feel the love that was different to what the Pharisees did? Come to me, those who are wrecked and overcome with guilt. Come to me, those who are burdened down with shame. Come to me, those who are tired of trying and never living up to the standards of those around you. Come to me, those who feel like they're not going anywhere and you're not measuring up to God's standards. Come to me, those who have been rejected again and again and again by people around. Come to me, those who religion has turned away. Come to me, those who didn't have the right clothes to wear to the right church because someone who represented or claimed to represent God turned you away from my house. Come to me. Come to me because you weren't welcome anywhere else. Come to me when you feel like you've got nothing left. Come to me when you've lost all hope. Come to me when everything feels desperate and you don't know if you can go on. Jesus says, come to me when you're weary and overwhelmed and I will give you heavenly rest. He says this, take my yoke upon me and learn of me. For I am gentle and humble within heart. And you will find rest for your souls. This is what Jesus said. You're invited to be part of God's family. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. You're invited to come and be part of the most glorious family ever. And I want you to notice a few things as we're about to close. This is really important that we understand this. I want you to notice that pointing out this woman's sins didn't lead her out of a lifestyle of sin. She walked around for years while people pointed her out and shamed her. That didn't change her. That didn't transform her. Judging her lifestyle didn't change her. Shaming her for what she did. And yes, she might have made some mistakes. Didn't set her free from her painful past. What was it that changed this woman? An invitation from the Son of God. To experience His grace, to experience His goodness, to experience love and freedom. Because you have to understand this. Jesus did not come for the spiritually healthy He came for those who are sick. And whether we acknowledge it or not, we all live or lived in that state of sickness. 
Jesus did not come for the self-proclaimed righteous. Jesus came for the hurting, the broken, the repentant sinners. And Jesus said, you're invited. Come as you are. Come quickly. Come. Know my grace. Know my love. It doesn't matter who you are. Listen to me. It's important. If you've ever felt unwanted, maybe you feel like you failed, you doubted God, you questioned God, or maybe you feel like you've been even hurt by God, but you're still invited. If you've let God down, if you've tried and failed and failed and failed and failed, you're still invited. Jesus says, come to me if you feel ashamed. Come to me if you feel unworthy. Come to me with your doubts. Come to me with your addictions. Come to me with your hang-ups. Come to me with your baggage. Come to me with your past. Come to me with those things that people don't like, that people judge. Just come. Just come. Come to me and I will give you rest. No one... Is denied. I told you about a person who I knew. It was turned away from church. Because of their clothes. No one should ever be turned away. Because of the clothes they wear. Or the life they led. Or the choices they made in their past. Because Christ does not. And I'll repeat it again. Christ does not. Do that. He tells everyone. To come. And experience his rest. Just put on whatever you have. It doesn't matter if you look good or bad. Just come. It doesn't matter what baggage you're carrying. Just come. It doesn't matter what hang-ups you have. Just come. Don't let anything hold you back. Just come. Because you're invited to be part of God's great household. You're invited Turn to someone and say, you're invited. There's still room. There's still room. There's room at the cross. There's room in the house of God. There's room for more and more and more. Just come. You're invited. And when you come, don't come alone. Bring someone with you. Bring your family member that's estranged. Bring your co-worker. Bring anyone around you. Maybe you didn't even talk to them, but just come and know his grace. Know his love. Experience his goodness. Experience grace from heaven. Don't come alone. Bring someone with you. You're invited, but just come. See, Jesus says to those that everyone rejects, you can be part of my family. You compel the blind, you compel the lame, you compel the crippled, you compel those that everyone despises, overlooks, rejects. You compel them to come because they have a home in my kingdom. Feel Jesus' love. Feel his grace. Feel the overwhelming arms that are wide open, that are completely contrasted to the Pharisees and the religious elite that were around him. It's everyone around us who feels unworthy is always welcome to come to be part of God's glorious family. And this is his house. And everyone is welcome. 
We're never going to stand at the doors and reject people based on where they look, where they've come from, what they've done in the past, no matter where they've been. We should never, ever stand at the door and reject anyone. Because Christ himself, that brought all of us into his house, is compelling others to come. So, you're invited, and you're not invited alone. You're invited to be part of God's amazing family. So, I want you to tell yourself this and believe it. I'm invited. I am loved. I am accepted in God's great family. Stand with me this morning. I wonder how many of you would say that I'm a faithful follower of Christ. But there might be some people in your life, in your world, and there might be a lot of people that have not experienced what you've experienced. Maybe they've not experienced God's love the way you have. And His grace the way you have. Maybe it's someone at school, someone at work, someone in your family maybe it's a husband or wife or kids or uncles or aunts or relatives I would like us to pray for that person today because you know the Savior is there and maybe they haven't heard the message that they can come that Christ is there to welcome everyone and anyone regardless of what they've done Let's extend our faith today, church. Let's continue to pray and believe that they would hear the message of Jesus' unending love and that they would come and that we actually would be His hands and feet, that we would actually invite. And because we are invited, we can invite. And Jesus would not reject. Show them what life is, life abundant, life with God, life with grace, that Holy Spirit draws to him. God, there's there's many people here today that maybe you're going through the same thing and you're questioning, how did I end up in this place? This is not the life I planned for myself. This is not what I desired for my future. How did I end up here? Being rejected, being broken, being despised, being bankrupt, financially unstable. That's not what I planned for my life. some of us are going through that right now but here's the amazing thing the transforming power of Christ is present and can change every situation if we let his love flood into our hearts and we don't want to judge lifestyles we don't want to judge what people did in their past we want to forgive like Christ forgave because God can make everything new he can do it like he did with this woman he says you're clean, you're washed
last question before we close. Who is Jesus? He is the Son of God. He was the perfect, sinless man that came from God, that had no sin in his life, but died so that we can experience God's grace and God's family and God's loving grace for us. And we have the privilege to call upon the name that is above every other name. The name that is above any sickness, any disease, anything that goes on in your life. It's the name of Jesus that's higher. And he knows what you've been through and he knows what you've gone through, but he never rejects you. He invites you to come. To come and experience his love over you hold the hand of the person standing next to you? I want you to look someone in the eye and tell them you're invited. You're invited to be part of God's family. You're invited this morning. You're never rejected. You're always welcome. You're always welcome. Let's pray together and let's pray for that person or those people in our lives that might not have experienced or heard that they're welcome to be part of God's family. They're invited to be part of the great family of God. Let's pray. And if you're here today and you have not heard that message before and you want to give your life to Christ, wherever you are, just raise your hand and we'll pray with you. Let you know that you are loved has a plan for your life. And the past, the mistakes of your past, the errors of your past have no bearing on what Christ wants to do in your life today. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.